James Joyce once said, if you want to know what a man really thinks, watch what he does. It goes without saying that by now you all know about the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine and the narrative portrayed by the Biden administration and the American corporate media is that it's entirely the product of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But the truth is that this is just a part of the bigger picture. The Russia-Ukraine war has been stripped out of its historical context. Most importantly, it conceals the role of the U.S. long-term objectives in preparing and deliberately instigating the conflict. My name is Dr. David Waralu, and you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. Our show today is sponsored by Noble Gold. In this video, I am going to provide you an in-depth analysis for you to place the Ukraine-Russia conflict within the greater geopolitical context. The truth is that the conflict was not a sudden event, but a well-planned agenda by the U.S. government. They instigated the coup that overthrew Ukraine's democratically elected government. And then they used Ukraine as a pawn in their geopolitical game against Russia. The U.S. has been providing military assistance to Ukraine since the start of the conflict, which shows that they have been looking for a confrontation with Russia. And it's not just the U.S. NATO has also been engaging heavily in the conflict, making it an international one. The consequences of this have been catastrophic for the people of Ukraine. They have lost loved ones, homes, and their livelihood. It's not Putin or Russia that are the corporate here, but rather the U.S. and its allies who have been playing a dirty game. It's high time that we expose the truth behind the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. It's important to understand that there is always a bigger picture at play. And in this case, the motives are far beyond what the media portrays. Now, a word from our sponsor. A big thank you to them, because of them we can bring you this show. Reigning in wealth like King Charles with a gold IRA from Noble Gold Investments. Just as King Charles' magnificent gold crown symbolizes wealth and power, a gold IRA can fortify your own financial kingdom. Imagine the confidence that comes from retirement backed by a tangible, proven asset, gold. An asset that's not at the mercy of unpredictable market swings. A crown may not be included, but isn't a future free of financial stress a worthy throne? Like royalty, enjoy the luxury of choice. Gold, silver, platinum, or palladium, the realm is yours to command. Fend off concerns about economic downturns and let your wealth thrive with the timeless security of precious metals. This month, the first solid one quarter ounce gold standard bullion coin ever issued with Charles III's image can be yours with your own qualifying gold IRA or a 401k rollover of $50,000 or higher. You can go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. Call Noble Gold Investments at 877-646-5347 to get started or visit geopoliticsgold.com. 
That's again, geopoliticsgold.com. There is always risk of investments and there is no guarantee of any kind. Now, back to our show. This rips the Russia-Ukraine war out of its historical context. Most importantly, it conceals the role of the American government, of both political parties, Republicans and Democrats, in preparing and deliberately instigating the conflict. The reactionary war has been seized on to generate a veneer of popular support to the long-term prepared U.S.-NATO campaign to overthrow the Putin regime, break up Russia and reduce it to a semi-colonial status. While I do not advocate for either the Republicans or the Democrats in the American politics, the record shows that the latter had played the central role in an anti-Russia campaign that goes back more than a decade or so. It behooves us, the American people and people from around the world, for that matter, to have a better understanding of the current conflict in Ukraine, which started back in 2009 when the Obama-Biden administration took office. The brief analysis herein focuses on the role the U.S. government in general and the Democratic Party in particular in carrying out the policy of the U.S. ruling class and its national security strategist, and the effective takeover of the party by direct agents of the military and intelligence apparatus. Little history will help you put things in perspective. During the first stages of the collapse and disintegration of the Soviet Union, the two major political parties in the U.S. were in general agreements on the policy to be pursued in that vast region of the world. The breakup of the USSR was pursued allied with some caution to create the best condition for American corporations and banks and to cement US world domination in what was variously described as the unipolar moments and the end of history. Thus, George H.W. Bush ordered the massive military mobilization that resulted in the swift destruction of the Iraqi army in the 1991 Persian Gulf War. But he did not press the advantage, rejecting the advice from some aides to invade Iraq and overthrow Saddam Hussein because he did not want to provoke a response from Moscow that might delay the ongoing collapse of the regime. Similarly, Bush did not initially welcome the immediate cessation of the various components republics of the USSR. He sought to limit the dispersion of the Soviet nuclear weapons stockpile, which was physically distributed across four republics, Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, and Belarus. Ukraine and Kazakhstan possessed the third and fourth largest nuclear arsenal in the world, more than China, France, or Britain. Although Moscow controlled the launch codes under the 1992 Lisbon Protocol to the Star Treaty, signed in a hotel bar under the auspices of the U.S. Secretary of State, James Becker, the other three republics agreed to transfer their nuclear weapons to Russia. After ratification by their respective governments, separate agreements were signed in 1994, 
collectively known as the Budapest Memorandum, in which Belarus, Kazakhstan and Ukraine formally agreed to transfer their nuclear weapons to Russia in return for financial aid and certain security guarantees directed at both the Western powers and Russia. The UK was an additional signatory to the deal along with the US. The ensuing transfer process took time and was not completed until 1996. Throughout this period, US foreign policy towards Russia unfolded within the framework set by the 1992 defense policy guidance, which declare, and I quote, our first objective is to prevent the re-emergence of a new rival, either on the territory of the former Soviet Union or elsewhere, that poses a threat on the order of that posed formally by the Soviet Union. This is a dominant consideration underlying the new regional defense strategy and requires that we endeavor to prevent any hostile power from dominating a region whose resources would, under consolidated control, be sufficient to generate global power. End of quote. When the Orange Revolution took place in Ukraine in December 2004, the overturning of the election of pro-Russian presidential candidate Viktor Yanukovych and the victory of pro-EU and pro-US candidates Viktor Yushchenko in a third round of that year's election, the result was hailed by the US political establishment as a triumph of democracy. But the new regime quickly sank into a swamp of corruption and fictional infighting between rival groups of capitalist oligarchs, each seeking to profit from the privatization of assets bequeathed by the former Soviet Union. Ukraine had been the second largest constituent republic of the USSR, endowed with rich agricultural resources and significant industrial and public infrastructure. And there was a lot to plunder. During this time, the Bush administration was preoccupied with the debate in Iraq and the ongoing war of occupation in Afghanistan. It failed to press the advantage represented by the installation of the Yushchenko government. Sections of the Republican Party, including former presidential candidate Bob Dole and a former party chairman Paul Manafort, who later became Donald Trump's campaign chairman, even became lobbyists and political advisors for Yanukovych or for the billionaires who financed and backed his party of regions, based largely in the predominantly Russian-speaking eastern half of the country. The Bush administration tried to seize on the 2008 Russia-Georgia war as the occasion for a major anti-Russia campaign to be spearheaded by Secretary of State at that time, Condoleezza Rice. But this project was suddenly overshadowed and ultimately shelved by the eruption of the global financial crisis with the collapse of Lehman Brothers on September 15, 2008. What many do not know is that years later, when the U.S. government bogged down in Afghanistan, Russia cooperated with the U.S. and even permitted the transit of the U.S. soldiers and weapons to Afghanistan through Russian airspace. In 2012, plans were announced for a NATO transit hub 
at an airbase in Yulivanov on the Volga River. On June 25, 2012, the Russian government issued a formal decree authorizing NATO to use the airbase, sparking protests because the city is the birthplace of Vladimir Lenin, the leader of the Russian Revolution. The city was renamed for Lenin under the Soviet Union. To maintain this de facto alliance with Moscow, the Obama administration accepted the victory of Yanukovych in the 2010 presidential elections. In the first round, incumbent Viktor Yushchenko was eliminated, receiving a humiliating 5% of the vote, an expression of vast popular disillusionment with the free market policies of the Orange Revolution. In the second round, Yanukovych defeated the candidate of the Ukrainian nationalist Yulia Tinoshenko by a margin of three percentage point in an election certified as fair by international observers. The new government quickly withdrew Ukraine's application to join NATO and signed an agreement with Russia, extending its lease on the Sevastopol naval base, headquarters of the Black Sea Fleet, for another 25 years. Those were the circumstances which prevailed when Obama made the mocking retort to Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney during a 2012 debate after Romney had declared Russia, not Al-Qaeda, terrorism, to be the principal threat to the United States. He said, and I quote, the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back, end of quote. Obama stressed, and I quote, because you know the Cold War's been over for 20 years, end of quote. In truth, Romney was only saying publicly what the CIA and the Pentagon has already concluded after the strategic debate for U.S. policy in Ukraine. Obama fully subscribed to that understanding, but he sought to conceal it from the American people while Washington prepared a counterstroke. There comes the elephant in the room, the maiden revolution, a right-wing coup which many around the world do not know about or understand. The occasion for a radical policy shift was provided by Russian intervention in the Syrian civil war. As argued in my Russia book, The Dynamics of Russia's Geopolitics, Moscow has long been allied with the Assad regime, which had offered Russia the only military base outside the former Soviet Union, a naval installation at Tartus. Russia supplied Syria with extensive military aid, but no personnel, while the U.S.-backed rebellion intensified mobilizing Al-Qaeda-linked forces, including Islamist militants shipped into the country by the intelligence community from Libya, where they had served as the ground troops to overthrow the Gaddafi regime in 2011. In November 2013, Ukraine President Yanukovych announced that his government would no longer support an effort to seek membership in the EU and would instead align itself with the customs union established by Russia. There were immediate protests in Kiev 
by the pro-euro elements in the middle class, which were reinforced and ultimately taken over by openly repressive forces such as the Svoboda Party and the right sector. These groups had little popular support, but they had been the recipient of massive financial subsidies from the US and other powers. In a phone call intercepted in early February by Russia and made public, US State Department official Victoria Nolan could be heard boosting that the Obama administration was spending $1 billion a year on regime change operations in Ukraine. The protest demonstrations in the central square of Kiev, called Maiden, grew in size and hostility towards the Yanukovych regime. When the regime cracked down on demonstrators, the US and the EU responded with threat of economic sanctions. And we all know what happened thereafter. It is worth recalling Trotsky's warning that the dissolution of the Soviet Union will result in Russia's descent to a semi-colonial status. Trotsky, in the 1930s, under conditions of the Stalin regime and its reign of terror against all socialist elements in the country, raised the slogan of an independent Soviet U Ukraine, insisting that independence on a bourgeois basis could have only the most reactionary implications. A bourgeois Ukraine, moreover, could be nothing other than plaything of the various imperialist powers. So it was then, so it remains today. After getting the green light from Washington, the Ukrainian government launched a military onslaught in eastern Ukraine, spearheaded by fascist elements such as the right sector and the Azov Brigade. The mounting airstrikes and artillery bombardments of Donetsk the capital of the breakaway region, declaring for the first time since the NATO bombardments of Belgrade 15 years ago, another European city with a million inhabitants. Donetsk is being fired on with heavy weapons. American media, which today laments the suffering of the population in Kiev, Kharkiv and Mariupol, said nothing about the devastation inflicted on the nest. Here is my conclusion for you. It will fall to historians to uncover what promises the Ukrainian oligarchy received from Washington in exchange for the pledge to turn the country into a killing field and launching pad for war with Russia. But one thing is clear. The Kremlin and Russian general staff could not but read these developments as the announcement of a war. Ukraine non-membership in NATO is and was, for all intents and purposes, a fiction. At the same time, the NATO powers exploited the fact that Ukraine is not officially a member as an opportunity to stoke a conflict with Russia that would, in my opinion, immediately develop into a major war. Unlike World War II, which ended with the Allies capturing Berlin, no one imagines the Ukrainian flag one day flying over the Kremlin. The likeliest outcome is some sort of a compromise, an armistice, 
or an informal line of separation under which Russia will hold enough occupied Ukrainian territory. Such an outcome is not predetermined, but it is most probable. If you like the content of this video and want to show your support, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe. As always, prepare yourself for a changing world order. Till next time. Bye-bye.